This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Well, Happy New Year, my good friends, and uh, welcome to 2024. Uh, just do it. Got to get started. Start the year. And uh, my friends, if you have not begun a saving and investing plan, now is the time. Um, and you, what you want to do, uh, this is, you know, better than a gym membership, I shall say. You got to set it and I'm going to say forget it, although I don't agree with the forget it part because you want to set it and then reset it uh, upward uh, as your income goes up. But it's so important to save money as you receive it. Every paycheck, you must put money aside and invest it. The sooner you start, well, the sooner you're going to build wealth. And I repeat, $5 a day uh, invested at 9% uh, for a 40-year period, 5 bucks a day. 40 years uh, equates into $740,000, I believe. Uh, so... Uh, my friends, please, this is the hard part. It's your commitment to building wealth. Jack and I are going to help you with the themes and bring on great guests like Michael Hainsworth. Uh, he's, in fact, a contributing editor and host of Where's My Jetpack, formerly of BNN. Uh, Michael, uh, do you not agree with me the importance of saving consistently and starting early? My, my favorite analogy comes from, of all people, David Letterman. He had a huh. great line that I think applies to investing. Investing is like barbecuing. You need to keep an eye on it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. Now, you know, it's funny. I, I'm going to tell you, Michael, I've, I've taught you, I, I shall say, and we are great, you're a great student. Uh, I taught you how to make a steak. And, you uh, did. I did. And, I take, and you, you, you're a good student. I see your steaks posted. They look excellent. Um, Mike, Michael Bourdain put up a great post. Uh, and it basically is, don't with it. <laughs> don't with it. You know what I mean? Uh, Ten minutes after you cook that steak, you leave it the alone. Leave it the alone. Uh, so Michael, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain says, leave the steak alone. Let it rest. Um, so Save they're, investing. They're, well, if you can't rush it, it's a process. It takes time, regular savings. And the new year is a great time to get started, as you said. Yeah, so keep your eye on it, but don't overhandle it. Uh, and every now and then you got to let it rest, uh, and then you can enjoy it. But again, you know the problem with investing with a high probable outcome? It is boring, um, but that's fine. No one said it's supposed to be exciting. Um, boring does win. Um, and you got to log time, my good friends. You got to log at least 20, 25 years of time to build wealth. But once you have it, boy, oh boy. Um, pop quiz for you, Jack. I want a quick answer. All right. Your buddy, Warren Buffett. What do you think his net worth will increase by this year? In terms have, of, in ter sorry, in terms of billions of dollars? Well, yeah, in terms of dollars, period. Oh, is it billions of billions. How much, how much will Buffett make this year, do you think, with his investments growing? My guess would be $13 billion. You said that, yeah. My guess would have been $10 billion. Uh, How long did it take Warren Buffett to accumulate his first billion? I don't know. Do you know the answer to that, Jack? I don't know, but I'm going to say probably in his 50s, I somewhere around there. Maybe. And he's generated most of his wealth in the last 10 years. That's with him giving it away. Right? <laughs> yeah, to boot. Yeah, as he keeps on giving it away. <laughs> but that's the point. You know, building wealth is like, uh, you know, planting an oak tree. Uh, at some point, those acorns will come down uh, and you'll have a, a beautiful, majestic tree, but it takes hundreds of years to, to, to receive majesty. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like technology. Mike, you're going to like this line. Um, Rob Young, one of our analysts at Canaccord, uh, he, he's a tech analyst. He's a great analyst. You know, tech is a wonderful industry. Uh, it always takes longer than estimated for tech ideas to receive their fruition, right, come to be. Um, but the market also is underestimated and ends up being a lot bigger than 
expected. And I'm going to go back now to a cell phone. I remember when a cell phone, and you know this, Michael, when cell phones hit the market, I'm going to say 1988, 86, it was always targeted to business owners, executives, never teens, never 18 to 34-year-olds. And people are saying, I don't know if that market will ever become a market uh, because they can't afford the carrier bills. They can't afford the phones. So this is a business tool. Well, fast forward. 10 years, fast forward 15 years, and whammo, huge change. So, Michael, um, I like to do a little uh, diatribe to get the show started, get the juices flowing. Uh, You are a tech uh, enthusiast, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about technology. Uh, Our psychic uh, last year said Microsoft is the place to be, along with artificial intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great interview, actually. If you get a chance to lend to our hit with Lynn Nichols, she was fabulous, Um, following your own intuition. Actually, she was an intuition expert, but uh, we we like AI uh, a whole lot, but it got a lot of attention last year. And a new year has begun, Michael, and every year in January, the tempo changes uh, from the previous year. Uh, Do you think AI, I'm going to open up with, do you think AI is going to be as big of a thing this year as it was last year, Michael? It's going to be iterative. Uh, Artificial intelligence in 2024 is going to be not about just new products, but also new legal issues. You know, we know about the large language models like chat GPT and how they are trained. They're trained on massive data sets and the courts are expected to address whether, you know, AI companies are infringing on copyright by training systems with images and words that are scraped from the internet. So we'll be addressing that in 2024, uh, sort of the sober second thoughts to 2023. Yeah, sir, Microsoft right now is up against a legal suit on just that. And who's suing them? I just caught that story this week and I mentioned it on my daily radio hit. Um, There are a bunch of different people suing Microsoft uh, right now, and it's related enterprise open AI because of of exactly that concern. Why should an author put their blood, sweat, and tears into a book, into a report, into an art? You know, when uh, we see the the latest uh, in the news, someone had to write that. Why should somebody like Microsoft or others be able to take all of that data and use it to train without giving credit or remuneration in some way, shape, or form. The problem is, is it's going to be incredibly difficult to figure out how to pay someone for their contribution to a large language model, considering it's large. There are so <laughs> many others involved. You know, what do you want? Do you want a penny and a half for your, your Stephen King novel? Fine. Here's a penny and a half. We're certainly not going to pay you 50 bucks because we train not only on that one Stephen King novel, but on everything he's ever written and everything anybody else has ever written as well. But I think 2024 is going to be sort of the other shoe dropping on artificial intelligence. Cyber attackers are leveraging AI huh. and enterprise. That's a scary one. Pace. Well, I'll tell you why it's scary. AI is a black box spitting out answers without us understanding how it came to them. That's gold for hackers. AI must be able to tell us why it came up with the answers it did, and it's not very good at that. That's Michael. Didn't you? All of us hate when the math teacher said, "Please explain your answer." Exactly. And if we don't explain the answer, the future of cyber attacks isn't stealing your data. It's secretly tweaking your algorithm so that it outputs the answers that the bad actors want. Imagine hacking Amazon's recommendation AI to bury the competition and highlight your own products or being on the other side of that problem. So those are the types of things that we're going to start to seriously address in 2024. And some of the stocks to watch on that front will be Microsoft because it's got open AI in its pocket, Meta as well, and playing catch up is Google. And of course, I mentioned Amazon and Amazon's in there. A few years ago, I interviewed the chief 
um, AI researcher for Amazon, and he told me that he was working on an AI that would send you products without you asking for them. Come on. We, we, we notice you tend to buy shirts in January, so I'm sending you three shirts in your size that seem to be about the color you like. If you don't like them, no problem. Just send them straight back. And the expectation is that we'll go, oh, you know what, of these three shirts, I like one of them. So there's a sale that Amazon wouldn't have gotten if it hadn't have shipped you the three in the first place. That's absolutely incredible. Um, e- Apple's Vision Pro, um, mm-hmm. where does that fit into all of this? I shot my very first Christmas in 3D spatial video. (laughs) Of course you do. The iPhone 15 Pro is the only one that's capable of doing this right now. But what you do is you set up your phone on a tripod because when you're watching it back in VR or AR, you you want it to be steady so that you don't make the viewer throw up. Uh, So you, you lock that camera shot down, and I locked it down on Christmas morning. And the 15 Pro will use the LiDAR sensor, the laser radar built into it, to figure out what the 3D is, combine that with the other... Uh, camera lenses that it's got to figure that all out. And then once the uh, device becomes available to the public at large, I will have already had Christmas. Apple sales are down for the fourth straight quarter, longest slowdown since 2001. The iPhone did better than expected and half of overall sales, but it sold $150 million worth of Macs less than expected. Now, Tim Cook wanted sunglasses as the form factor for augmented reality, but he realized he couldn't wait for the tech to catch up. Sunglasses will ultimately replace your iPhone in AR, VR, but until then, the pivot is actually using the Apple Vision Pro $3,500 headset to replace your Mac. Wow. Uh, Michael Hainsworth spending some time with us this new year. Uh, He's getting techie with us, and, well, tech does matter. I'm going to take a quick break, get back with uh, Jack Hartle, of course, my partner, Mr. Michael Hainsworth, the editor and host of Where's My Jetpack show, iFi Radio. It's about money, and it's for you. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Michael Hainsworth stepping in. Last minute guest. I'm going to throw the SOS to uh, our loyal guest, shall I say. Um, Don Bulo uh, couldn't join us today. Uh, Don Bulo is such a smart, smart uh, market technician. Love having him on the air. But, uh, well, there was a death in his family. His pooch passed. You know, I, uh, it is what it is. And I have a dog. I'm a dog lover. I love animals, period. Um, but it's amazing uh, the the loss that sets into people when they lose their pet. And I've heard many people say, directly or indirectly, that losing a pet was harder than losing a parent, especially a dog. Uh, so uh, if you lost a pet recently, uh, my prayers go out to you. And uh, I think the best thing to do is try to get another pet. Keeps you walking and, uh, well, they're just so lovely. They take your stress down. Eh? Pet by your, my dog is always by my side. You have a nice dog, eh, Jack? Yeah, Does it calm me down a bit? I don't know about calming us down. He's still three years old, so he's pretty busy. But, uh, yeah, he's good for the family for sure. Yeah, and uh, my daughter is now part boarding a horse. Um, so uh, we have, a, I think, about a 15-and-a-half or 16-hand uh, thoroughbred uh, that I get to lease. Lucky me. It's all part of being a parent. It's either hockey or horses, Jack. <laughs> for now, I choose hockey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael Ainsworth, uh, host of Where's My Jetpack, former former host on BNN, um, an absolute tech enthusiast, uh, pop culture. Culture um, icon. What do you think of that, Michael? Being a pop culture <laughs> I icon. Why not? I, 
I used to describe myself as specialty TV famous, so I don't know if pop culture icon applies, but we'll give it a shot. Specialty TV famous, wow. I didn't recognize you until you opened your mouth. What, what do you think, Michael, of uh, traditional media uh, in 2024? Um, what, what, like the, the change has been radical for the last decade, uh, uh, I think taken by surprise on many, many fronts. Um, do you think traditional media is going to actually regain any kind of uh, footing in, in, in people's lives as being you know, a relevant source of you know, good information and entertainment? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, journalists make terrible business people, and business people make terrible journalists. Um, and <laughs> therein lies the problem. That's, that's brilliant. Is you, you spend a lot of time at MBA school learning how to run a business, um, but journalism bears zero resemblance to a traditional uh, operation. Uh, and at the same time, the people who know journalism don't know a thing about how to manage people because all the people that have ever worked in radio, television, print, um, they, their bosses have all been garbage can kickers because their bosses were garbage can kickers. And so there's no focus on the individual and there's very little focus on creativity, on, on how to um, leverage the content as a revenue source. Whenever I walked into the boss's office in my 30 years in mainstream media, I would present them with an idea, and it was always a binary outcome. Either it was a yes or a no. It wasn't a no, but let's try this. It wasn't a yes, but let's pull this back. It was binary, um, and often my ideas got shot down, and it wasn't until I left the business and I was having uh, some uh, a lovely conversation with another industry executive who had said to me, Michael, your problem is, is you presented a content idea to the boss. You didn't present a monetization idea. <laughs> I always thought it was the boss's idea to figure out how to make money off my content. And the reason why it got shot down was because they didn't want to do that work because they don't know how to do that work. So I'm not very confident in 2024. Very interesting. Um, well, I, again, I just see more and more time spent on uh, social media um, and, and the power it has, certainly on uh, the demographic that was not really targeted to by traditional media in the first place because agencies couldn't sell the demo. And that was 12 to 24-year-olds. That was a terrible demo to target. It was the baby boomers that media wanted to target. Um, and that, that I think, in, in itself uh, is part of the uh, issue uh, at hand. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, the world is moving forward and uh, technology can be daunting. Uh, but you put it great last a uh, few weeks ago with us, Jack, and Jack really uh, found resonate, re, uh, resonated. Uh, resonated. Uh, you, you, why don't you paraphrase what uh, Michael said about uh, artificial intelligence a couple of weeks ago with us? It augments our work, right? Yeah, allowing us, exactly. allowing us not only to uh, it create content. Creative. You have yeah. to be, you have to create your own content. But use artificial intelligence to really refine it and to make refine it better. It and make it better, yeah. And, and then it can learn from you. So it, it, you, you use it. It doesn't use you. Uh, it's all about, I think, empowerment. Uh, but what do you build upon that, Michael? I think what people fear is that artificial intelligence is going to replace their job. Uh, and for some people, it will. There, there's no two ways about it. You know, the, the, the loom replaced the weaver, that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and, and the Luddites rose up and tried to smash the looms as a result. But the reason why they did that was because um, those who owned the looms were trying to replace the individuals, not augment what they were already capable of doing. And they were trying to cut them out of the picture. There's a lot we can learn uh, from the Luddites when it comes to artificial intelligence. If you are going to be a stick in the mud about it, if you're that type of person who says they don't want to learn something new, um, let the kids figure that out. I've, I've, I've learned everything I'm going to learn. Well, then, yeah, AI is going to replace your job. But if you're the kind of person who is willing to embrace change and grow with 
your career, you will find that if you use augmented uh, artificial intelligence to augment your world, then you are more inclined to be more valuable to the boss than someone who refuses to work uh, with AI. So the, the example that we, uh, we had cited the last time we had spoken still applies, and, and that is that today, for example, I just delivered to a client uh, some content, and uh, as part of that, it includes a 500-word summary. I've spent so much time working on this, I'm, I, I'm bleary-eyed. I can drag and drop the transcript of the interview into ChatGPT, tell it to give me 500 words, cite some of the more poignant quotes from the, the conversation. And then when I take that, uh, that output, that final product, it's not the final product. It is just my starting point for me to edit and revise that content. So instead of spending an hour working on something, I can spend 15 minutes working on it because AI has helped me. And that gives me three quarters of my hour back to focus on other things that make me better at what I do. Um, so <clears throat> my business is loaded with emotion and emotion can be the enemy of success. Um, and, you know, we all have our own biases. Um, Jack, you speak about biases a lot. You're really good at that. Um, blind spots and, and uh, you know, tunnel vision uh, around various situations. But the thing is, we all have them. We, 100%. We do. It's, it's recognizing being able to deal with them and then also having tools to deal with your potential biases so they don't affect your investment decisions. So what Jack and I have been working on truly for, for over 20 years, and we've actually just put it into motion, uh, Michael, uh, is, using, is building what's called a quantitative model, a quant model. Yeah. And what we've done is we've taken the S&P 500. It's 500 companies, that the 500 largest companies in America. That's the index that everyone pays attention to. So again, friends at home, you just learned something. Pay attention to the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in the world. And what we did with that list is we've taken and we screened it down uh, uh, from a balance sheet income statement point of view, looking for those companies that uh, can be most efficient with a dollar and generate the highest return on a dollar. So who can manage money well and grow the asset accordingly? So we screened it fundamentally, and then we did what's called a technical overlay. And uh, the technicals will allow us and drive us to when we actually exit a trade. Uh, so stock will run up. It will begin to then peak, roll over, give back a little bit, bang, we sell it according to our technicals. So far, it's actually working very well, Michael. Um, but it's not artificial intelligence. And uh, I'm just wondering when it's going to actually uh, hit Bay and Wall Street and to what degree. And Because again, I asked the same question, can it replace me? I will say with the rudimentary, although it's not, but the model that we built, honestly, Michael, in many ways is actually doing a better job than I. And I'm going to say simply because it's removing my biases and my emotions from the decision-making process. Um, we're talking about driving cars versus, you know, auto landing an airplane. It's remarkable that all, all planes do land autopilot. Uh, so machine lands plane. Um, in terms of driving vehicles, let's go from Bay Street, Wall Street over now to Main Street. Um, here, here your, your, your note to me is Tesla is losing crown on autonomous vehicles. What do you mean by that? Well, China's BYD is, is already making more uh, uh. electric vehicles than, than Tesla is. Uh, China is already 60% of worldwide sales. BYD eclipsed Tesla in, in the fourth quarter. So hmm. what I'm saying here is, you know, set aside the, 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 the numbers associated with Tesla's stock. Sure, the stock's through the roof. There's a tremendous amount of momentum associated with it. Um, but I, I think it's all going to come crashing down in 2024. Hmm. Uh, a year ago, Musk claimed that he would build 2 million cars in 2023. He fell short by about 200,000, despite 
cutting prices. Imagine how many fewer vehicles would have rolled off the Tesla uh, Gigafactory in uh, Texas had he not done that. But the other issue is that Tesla no longer qualifies for big U.S. discounts because the batteries are not made in America. So people are going to start looking to the traditional automakers uh, to get that big discount because they'll be made in the United States. And they don't come with all of the the grime associated with Elon Musk. And the the real downfall for Tesla is going to be the 2024 U.S. presidential election. The, the word grime is a funny word. Uh, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Let's talk about the U.S. election. Um, uh, how do you see it impacting your universe and what you're paying attention to, Michael? I, I, I don't even know if I could, could predict. Uh, but, you know, on the Musk front, Musk is going to be so focused on being an edgelord in 2024. You know what? Investors, an edgelord, which is a, 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 um, a polite way of saying <clears throat> poster. Um, oh, sorry, a polite way so of saying I, what, Michael? Then I heard you a little well, uh, clear I, your voice, I, I, the voice there. Well, I can't swear on the radio. So let's just say edgelord is someone who likes to be a troll, who likes to say things that are inflammatory. I like to say things just to make other people cringe because they think it's funny. And investors are going to demand that he focus not on Twitter, but on the car company. Because anybody buying a Tesla today knows who Elon Musk is. If you bought one of those vehicles today, you just bought yourself a $100,000 MAGA hat. It's a good thing that Tesla doesn't release a new model every year like every other car company because you can't tell the difference between a Tesla bot today and one that was bought three years ago before we knew Musk is not the genius that he builds himself up to be. So my prediction is he actually quits Tesla in a snit to focus full time on blowing up rockets and democracy. <laughs> wow. You know, every now and then, stepping out in the tail, I'm good with it. Michael Hainsworth, a contributing editor, host of Where's My Jetpack, uh, tech enthusiast, um, and a whole lot more. Uh, public engagements, speaking, emceeing, uh, video expert, audio expert. Was a bar mitzvahs to boot. Uh, I want to wish you huge success in 2024, and we'll get you back on Hi-Fi Radio, uh, of course, as the year plays out. Now, I'm going to take a quick break and get back uh, to the show about money uh, with an actuary. We're going to talk about Canada Pension Plan, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, government supplement, old age security, and how you need to build wealth tried and true methods uh, by the Wolf on Bay Street. Stay tuned for that. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. have to say, do you think about Eddie Murphy? Want to hear that little uh, opening? Hey, little Roxanne? God, that was so funny. Great song. Uh, great band, of course. The Police. And, uh, well, we open with some police. Uh, might as well continue with it. Uh, Fred Vitisse, uh, a retired actuary <clears throat> and the uh, author of Retirement Income for Life. Met Fred uh, a couple years ago, had him on the show when he was working with uh, Morneau Chappelle, a pension uh, manager and a benefits manager uh, right here in Toronto. Um, but I want to talk to uh, you, Fred, about uh, the Canada Pension Plan. Uh, yeah. Exciting stuff. <laughs> not, um, but I'll share with the audience and, and, and you as well with what I know about it, um, and then I'm gonna, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, number one, I know that uh, if you are a CPP pensioner, uh, you got yourself a six percent raise last year, thanks to inflation, and you're gonna get another f- almost four and a half percent raise this year. Yes, CPP keeps up with inflation. 
Oh, that's good. Uh, I'll tell you what I really hate about the Canada Pension Plan, Fred. And Mm -hmm. no one talks about this. I think it's a complete scam. The amount of money I put into it, the amount of money my employer puts into it, and what I get on the back end is pathetic. Uh, And I say that because what are the numbers right now? Uh, We'll work together as a a collective between you, Jack, and I. We'll figure roughly out how much gets put into CPP this year. If you're uh, earning the maximum, what is the maximum for CPP? Probably $66,000 or $70,000. The maximum last year was $66,500. There we go. So so if you make $66,000, if you make $66,000, you're you're going to put in the max. And so at that level, approximately how much do you put in and how much does the employer put in? Okay, so at that level, you're putting it in about four thousand and four thousand fifty-five dollars for per year, and half by you, half by the employer. The employer would match that, so they're putting in the same amount as you are. No, so you you put it. Sorry, you put in about two thousand. Employer puts in two. Uh, no, you four, put four, in four. Four thousand each. <gasps> Oh my but god! But it's actually increased this year, Wolf. So oh my the, the god. number that Fred are you gave kidding you, we're not, me? We're not pretty sure. No, hold, hold on. So, so my point. This is what really bought. So now it's eight thousand dollars going to CPP each and every year. Oh my god! And so if you're working for forty years, which a typical person will do, oh my god, that's a ton of money. I say that, Fred, because if you save a thousand dollars a month, this math I do have. In my head, a thousand dollars a month—that's twelve grand a year, not eight. A thousand dollars a month at around a nine percent return turns into one million dollars after twenty-five years, and I think it's four point six million dollars after forty years. So, in my opinion, I'm going to shave off a third, four point six, call it three mil. At, at eight at eight thousand dollars a year, you should have three million on the back end. Good luck, you ain't coming. Cl- That's the math. T- teachers pension. Those teachers. That is a pension. Uh, Katie Depot. Uh, that is a pension. Canada pension is a tax, and that's what we got to start calling it. Uh, Fred, do you agree with everything I've said so far? Or please uh, tell me I'm wrong and I'm being I'm being hard. Okay, you're you're wrong on some things. First of all, with respect to the future, you shouldn't be assuming that you're going to have a, have a return of nine percent. Um, more likely, you're going to have a return of more like five or five and a half. No, but I, okay, stop, 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 no, Fred, stop. Go, go to Fred, yeah. stop. You go to my website, WolfgangKlein.com. We have compounded money for our clients better than ten percent in our growth mandate. The S and P five hundred historic return for seventy five years is about eleven percent. Small caps probably closer to twelve. Same with tech. The TSX maybe nine. Nine percent, eight percent. That assumes no okay, and bonds. You're telling, me, you're telling me that your clients are investing one hundred percent in stocks. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. Okay. They, they, well, I, I, no, they, no, they, 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 that's more aggressive. But guess what? The last ten years, bonds have earned zero, so it's mm-hmm. been the right call. Now it's a little different kettle of fish. But no, again, I'm not. I'm, the way we manage money again on a bespoke client by client basis, uh, with a lot of handholding and, and, and nurturing, we are able to take on more equity risk at the expense of fixed income uh, because a we contribute, b we have flexibility, c we can always change change the uh, the direction at, at key okay. turning points in their life. But the answer is yeah and uh so i don't think nine percent is outrageous uh the longer that you extend your time horizon too wolfgang you're not talking about correct in 2024 i don't know what the return for 2024 is neither do you wolf and, and fred doesn't either but if you extend your time horizon you think 25 30 40 years uh and you buy into an investment process where you regularly save which a cpp is doing then yes, you certainly do increase your probability of getting that. I'm going to say seven, eight, nine, ten percent return. So, Fred, here's one for you. You know, you know this number too, and I think this is from J.P. Morgan's work that we picked up recently. Uh, the worst forty-year return for the stock market has been plus four percent. 
plus four. Worst return, 4%. Best return, uh, you know, mid-double mid digits. Uh, so, yeah, if you extend time horizon long enough, it, it's a no-brainer, stocks over bonds. It's a no-brainer over a long period of time. Yes. The thing is, so you can use that kind of math if you're 25 years old and you have a 40-year time horizon. If you're 65, you haven't, haven't got a 40-year time horizon anymore. you got more like a, like a 10- or 15-year time horizon. But, 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 and I'm going to be cute. Does it matter if you're dead? What, what, if you, does it matter at that point? Once it, it matters a lot because if you're saying for 40 year time horizon, so you, you're telling a 65 year old, you know what, if you wait 40 years, you're going to do fine because you know, there'll be ups and downs yep. in the meantime. And however, if there's a 10 year down, uh, which has happened in the past, correct, like 1960s and 70s, yep. there's a 10 year down and you're 65 to 75, you're going to be suffering uh, during that period of time. That's why uh, pension fund managers ever since the 1960s have been investing about 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. And that's why I'm telling you. You that, created the 60 40 portfolio. Uh-huh. That, that, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but Fred, I go back to uh, the, the Canada pension plan. Like, why? We're sort of screwed. Okay, talk about the structure of the plan, maybe. The, well, that's just it. The structure is wrong because the way it was created yeah. uh, is called the you, – you, you found it's the – the first sin. Is the, what I, called what the I first sin, uh, basically. Uh, and it was the um, – which government? Uh, it was in the Canadian government. Uh, Fred, do you remember what Canadian government created the yeah. – uh, Pearson. Pearson. That's it. Pearson. Um yeah, he should have stuck to airports. Um, he said, basically, if, if you're 66, you're going to start to receive a pension. I don't think you have to log any time. Um, and again, this whole notion of, of, of pensions uh, and retirement actually is a German concept. Uh, but they knew back then that life expectancy was 66. Let them retire at 65. we got to support them for one year. Modern medicine is keeping us alive for 25 years beyond retirement or 20 years beyond retirement. It's all different. Um, but... Fred, what really frustrates me is how little we get back in CPP and how much we put in. It is a farce. I think you're partially right. So let's forget about the return. You can say nine, I'm going to say it's more like five or six, but let's forget about that. The reason why you use the word scam, I think it's a little bit strong, but here's why Here's why. the CPP hasn't been a great deal. When it was first put in in 1966, people weren't getting any pension initially because they hadn't contributed yet. The government decided, or some politicians decided by 1976, that people who had been putting money into the plan at 10 years, and a very paltry amount back then, like 1.8%, who've been putting in for 10 years should get a full pension. So the thing is, that wasn't funded. So that created a big unfunded liability. And the reason why uh, we're still getting a really, and why you have to be putting in so much money today, 5.95%. Um, yeah, the reason why you're putting so much today is because we're still funding off that unfunded liability that right. was created back in 1976. So scam. That, that, they that scam. Yeah. And so that's not going to change. I mean, that is... They, they, they but how long are, like how long do we have to keep that burden for those people who picked up a pension in 1976 who didn't contribute enough? How long do we have to yeah. support that burden? No, it's going to go on forever. Forever. That's yeah, that's right. So as long as and you, you can't opt out, you're forced to buy into this thing. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but here's the good news. There's a bit of good news. Please. So the the uh, the enhancement to the plan that uh, was you know 2016 or so that the government brought in, which where they started to up the the contribution amounts and so on. Yeah. The enhancement is a much better deal because um, so uh, for example, this year is special because this year we're creating a, something called the year's additional maximum pensional pensionable earnings. So uh, it goes beyond the sixty-eight thousand dollars we just talked about. It's actually going to go to um, seventy-three thousand two hundred is the maximum that you contribute to. So that new trench between sixty-eight and seventy-three thousand dollars 
you're only putting in 4% as opposed to 5.95%. And that, that is actually ends up being, being a pretty good deal. Yeah. I, 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 dude, I could do so much better with it. Even at 5%, my friend. Let's go. If I wish I had my table with me and it's on my website, uh, my compounding table. Uh, $8,000 a year at, let's go 4%. I bet you end up with way more money. And I'm going to throw, throw something else at you, Fred. Uh, God rest my brother's soul. Uh, I lost Russell a year and a half ago, and he uh, just turned 62. He just began yeah. collecting his pension for 10 months, and he died. Nothing left but a survivor's benefit of 2500 bucks. He paid into that thing for 43 years, and he collected for 10 months. Scam part two. Part three, coming up after the break. It's Hi-Fi Radio, show about money. Uh, we're talking about Canada Pension Plan. Uh, they're going to take more off of you. Um and your employer, and employers don't like that. That's an expense to them as well. Fred Batiste knows he's the actuary. Uh, we'll defer to him right after the break. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. One for 19, eh? Never. Hi-Fi Radio, show about money. Jack and I wish you a happy new year. Jack and I want you to have more money. Uh, your biggest expense in life is taxes. Yep, it's taxes. Take a look at how much you paid in income tax last year. Layer on all those extra taxes that you have to pay. Uh, and I'm going to say Canada Pension Plan is a tax you have to pay. I'm going to call that a total tax because you're not getting a good bank for your buck. And, you know, we don't talk about this enough. We really don't talk about this enough. And they're now increasing the monthly contribution that you have to make uh, up to the tune of $4,000 uh, $4,050 on $66,000 of earnings. That's a lot of money. And I can see why, you know, if you're making $66,000, I can see how there'd be nothing left at the end of the day. Yet, the wealthy barber and the wolf on base, you'd say you still have to save something. And no matter what you make, you must put something aside. You have to do this. Uh, there's no way around it. Um, but when they, you know, when the government forces you into these programs, I get, I, I get cheesed. And uh, if I was getting something generous on the back end, it'd be one thing. But I understand money. I understand time. I understand compounding. And $5 a day at 9% for 40 years is $740,000. Five bucks a day works out to um, 300 and what is it? Five bucks a day, $60 a week. It's about three. It's about four grand. It's actually about, yeah, about four grand. $5 a day for, for the year would be about four grand a year. That's exactly what you're putting into CPP. That's actually interesting math. And then they put the government, your employer puts in the, the same amount. So, yeah, after 40 years, that should be worth about a million and a half dollars. Good luck. You're going to take a, what, what's the maximum we can, to, you're, you're going to receive uh, upon uh, retirement at 65 if you're a maximum contributor today, uh, Fred, from CPP? Uh, if you uh, if you retire today at age sixty five, you would be getting about uh, sixteen grand a year. Sixteen thousand a year divided by twelve is how much a month? Twelve twelve is. Uh-huh. Twelve hundred bucks. Twelve thirteen hundred bucks. Twelve thirteen hundred bucks. dollars a year. Yeah. 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 And then if you're below a certain threshold, you'll get old age security at sixty five or sixty six. Does that kick in? Old age security. Sixty five. 65. 65. Yeah. Um, based on previous year's income, that's about 5,600 bucks a year. So 1,200 can, can between the CPP and old age security um, become 1,800 bucks a year. And again, old age security um, was for, you know, uh, those who are 
elderly who are you know falling below the poverty line. It was not for the average Canadian, let alone guaranteed income supplement. And it's amazing. These plans that were created end up taking on different, they morph themselves and become entitlement to certain people. Uh, and CPP you paid into, that's entitlement. Again, uh, old age security is paid from the tax base. Guaranteed income supplement paid from the tax base. Who pays taxes? People who work. Um, so it's just the way she is. But uh, had a call from a client, uh, dinner parties, uh, a few few extra ones take place over the holidays. And I, I am finding, Fred, that the most stressful time when it comes to money and, and, and wealth is entering retirement and giving up your cash flow of employment and now relying on your nest egg, including, oh, sure. of course, CPB. And it, it really, really, really causes people a lot of stress. And again, that's why, you know, reaching out to people like Jack and myself to help you navigate this period of time and, and bring ease to the situation is critical. Uh, and again, if you want to make entering retirement easier, save more in advance of. Uh, if you don't save enough, you have something to stress out about. But our clients tend to, you know, be concerned, but our clients are actually all in very, very good shape. And when we show them, um, you know, how you go about managing a retirement portfolio, it's not that much different than as you're building the portfolio in terms of the risk you take and the strategy that you employ. Because the key is make sure you have enough money that you can live off of Call it four or five percent of what's been put aside. If you put aside a million dollars, you can extract safely four to forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. Which means if that's not enough to live off of you, then got CPP. And if your income's low enough, you'll still get your old age security. That's sort of how you enter retirement. You need more money. Make sure you have more money. What you don't want to do is be drawing money out of your account on a weak tape. And bear markets happen. Every four or five years, markets correct 25, 30% every four or five years. And if you're excessively drawing, when the market's down and your portfolio's down, you don't have enough capital to bounce back. If you only take out small amounts, um, you know, even, even if frequently, if they're small amounts, it doesn't have an impact when the market's down hard. Important stuff. But let's pivot over to CPP. People pay a lot of attention to it. And I find for the most part, people want to collect it sooner rather than later. Human um, intuition uh, and just you know, uh, psychology, uh, you know, get from the government while you can because maybe there won't be anything left down the road. Uh, so I want you to speak to that, Fred, the importance of perhaps deferring your Canada pension plan because you actually taught this to Jack and I uh, a couple of years ago when you came on our show and I've been using your work uh, on it for some time. By the way, Fred's work is published, uh, third edition of his book, Retirement Income for Life, very important book. Uh, I suggest you spend some time with it if you're entering retirement just to help you get a better understanding of how you're going to extract income from your um, shekels that you've put aside and the nuts that you've uh, buried in your backyard. Uh, so let's go back to Fred uh, CPP. Best time to collect it is when and how? For the vast majority of people, they ought to be waiting until age 70 to, to collect their Canada pension plan. Do people actually do this? No. Maybe 1% or 2% of the population actually waits until he's 70 to collect it. And that's because, you know, the, the bird in the hand argument uh, yep. is very is very compelling to a lot of people. And and everyone has, has an anecdote of some uncle or some some cousin or whatever who died at 67, 68, and so they really wish that they'd started it earlier. But 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 the um, my numbers aren't based on anecdotes. They're based on, uh, on, on statistics and probabilities. For example, if you're a woman age 65, you've got about a 25% chance of living until, until 95. So 25% chance, if you start your CPP early, you're going to be uh, getting a heck of a lot less 
when, when, when you're in your 90s then, then you would be. So you have to, you have to worry about the longevity risk, the, ch- the chances that you're going to live too long. And people don't worry about that uh, enough. Now, let, me, let, me, let me pipe in here, Fred, because you're making some very, very important points. Um, outliving your money is a risk. Um, but the, the good thing about CPP, and again, I'm going to say there's a 99% chance, not 100, uh, 99% chance it's going to be around for 50 years. And if you defer your CPP from age 65 to age 70, you're guaranteed 30% more. Oh, 40, no, 42%. Thank you. More. Thank you. Jack said four years. So you're guaranteed 42% more. So if you're getting 1200 bucks a month today, if you don't accept it, if you, if you defer to age 70, you will receive 40%, 48%. Well, 17%, but 17, uh, 17 at first. Yes, you'll be $1,700 a month. Get yeah. plus, 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 plus index to inflation. So yeah. the good thing is, this is guaranteed money, whereas your RSP invested with the Wolf on Bay Street, and this isn't GICs, is not guaranteed. Um, you know, I guarantee you quality business. I guarantee you're going to manage it. And I guarantee you over time, we're going to do a good job for you. But, you know, I, things I just don't control. Uh, Canada Pension Plan, well, uh, this is the government backing it. And the government has a tax base it can lean on, i.e. me, uh, to take more money out of my pocket and give it to you. It does it to me all the time. Uh, so, yeah, if you defer five years, you're going to receive you said, 42% more. What if you do the opposite, Fred? Because I see people doing this, and I hate it. I get angry at them. I say, you made a big mistake here. I don't know where you got this advice. Collecting it early. If you start at age 60, how much less from that 1200 bucks a month are you entitled to? Okay, so you get uh, 30% less if you start, start, start at age 60 versus 65. So it's a 70% of the maximum pension uh, if you start at 60, and 42% of more if you started at 65. So, oh, eight, so, yeah, so the math, if, if 30, I did the math 30, right, if you started 30, 60. I'm sorry, 36% less at, at age uh, 60. 36. Oh, 36%. So 360 yeah. plus another uh, 30 of that, choose another 60 bucks, 360, about 420 less. That's a lot. Uh, four, two, you're actually below 800 bucks. So if you collect early, you're going to receive, if you start at age 60, you're going to receive less than $800 a month. If you wait to 65, you'll receive $1,200 a month. And if you wait to age 70, you'll receive $1,700 a month. And again, the thing, the important point here is that money is guaranteed for life. Plus, it's going to be indexed to inflation. My next question to you, if you defer, uh, the monthlies are, are still indexed to inflation, even though you're not collecting. Is that correct? Um, sorry, if you don't, if you don't collect it. If I, if you don't collect it, if I just decide I'm going to defer from age 60 to age 70, yeah. will yeah. I still participate in that yeah. Cola. So it's, it's even yes. better than that. Even better. So it's uh, even better. Is my point. Cool. Because, so the thing is, so the thing is, if, if you start start getting your payments, then it, it's it increases with price inflation. So if CPI goes up three percent, your pension goes up three percent automatically. However, if you uh, if you defer collecting it, it goes up with wage inflation. Now, wage inflation ends on on average ends up being a little more than price inflation. It ends up being about one half to one percent more. Uh, in, in a given year than price inflation. So as a result of which, it's not, not even 42%. It may actually end up being like 47% better, 49% better at age 70 versus 65. And that's something that most people don't don't realize. So Dude, I did not know that either. No. During the time, yeah, during the time that you're deferring, it's in, incre- increased by wage inflation. Hmm. And, and the last couple of years have been special. Like this, first of all, came up last year. Normally, wage inflation is higher um, because of COVID. Some funny things happened in uh, 2022. Um, so there was a big increase, uh, I believe it was 6.5% um, in uh, pensions and payments. So if you started your CPP in December of 2022, then you got a 6.5% uh, increase in January 2023. However, if you... If you um, waited until January 2023, you don't get that 6% increase. Instead, you get the 
the increase on wages, which was less. It was more like four and a half percent. So here's what happened. It you actually if you started in December of 2022 versus January 2023, um, you not only got more uh, pension, you also got an extra payment because you started in, in December versus January. Hmm. Well, so, big, big picture, my friends, uh, you're going to be paying more into CPP. Hopefully we get more coming out of the back end. And if you want to get maximum benefit, defer and live a long time, which means be healthy. Uh, indeed. Listen to Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday right here on 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week.